This episode of The Cool Ship brought to you by John Shoemaker's Groupie. I have a note for John right here. Dear John, what's my name, Bij? What's my name? If you know anything about teabags, you better watch your back, Mother Jumper. Sincerely, your Groupie. P.S. You know that I know that you know that I know where you work. Whew. Okay. On with the show. Welcome to the Cool Ship Podcast, dedicated to beer lovers, home brewers, and professionals alike. With your hosts, Warren, the Professor Wilson, and Matt, Zigmeister Ziegler. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to grab a beer and chill on the Cool Ship. Professional wrestler that used to go woo. No, I have no idea. Yeah, I think he died. I think it was just recently. I think it was just recent that he passed away. But that you should do that. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Didn't know. Really? You guys don't know the woo. I don't watch wrestling. Yeah. Oh, this is from like 1980s. You know who I'm talking about, right, Carl? I'm like 10 years old. You weren't even born yet. You were a little uh, drop on. Well, anyway, welcome to the Cool Shit Podcast. What you're saying is he was a twinkle in Frank's eye. Yes, that's right. There you go. Twinkle in Frank's eye, no one heard that. So anyway, um, Frank, God bless you. Um, Anyway, welcome to the Cool Shit Podcast. We got a good show today. It's going to be a quick, down down and dirty show, but we got a really good topic to talk about. We have four people here. Four. Four. Well, all together. Um, You got your usual two, me and Matt. Um, Welcome, Matt. (laughs) Welcome. No, oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> Someone's so, a little light on the sleep today. Yeah. And that over there is Keith. Welcome, Keith. Hello. And of course, we have the infamous guest. Guest. We've been waiting for a very short time to have him back. I think it's apropos that it's now now time that we had him back. Well, has it been over a year? Almost. I just want to make sure. Just it's, about. We're trying not to do more Too than much, once a right? Year. Yeah. And you can't get you can't get enough of guests over here. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, John. Glad to be back. John Shoemaker. <laughs> he has a blog. What's your blog? John Shoemaker's Beer Reviews. There you go. So check it out online. Keith has a blog, too, or do you not? No, I don't have no, a blog. Okay. <laughs> Keith, Keith doesn't have a blog, but he's got a really good... I'm just very opinionated. Yeah, I don't so have a blog, though. Yeah, that's good, though. That's good. That's good to be here. Well, <laughs> that was our Plays illustrious logs, producer blogs. director. Who yelled at me for what kind of beer we need to start with? And obviously, we're starting with a flying fish. Is this a red fish, blue fish, something fish? This is an extra pale ale. Oh, the extra pale ale. We've had this before on the show, no? Yes, you have. Uh, was it last time you were here? No, that was the IPX. Oh, uh, yes, 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 okay. IP, whatever. The hell is an IP, IP Daily? Daily? It was IPL IPA. 
Oh. Little X. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now, um, John, since you have the bottle in your hand, you're going to be the one that reduces. Anyway, well, so before we do this, before we get into this, I want to recap of where we are in our, in our uh, little brewing nirvana in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Um, so why don't we start with Matt? What what kind of update has been going on with um, Zigmeister Brewing Company? Well, just for my own clarity, when was the last time we talked about? What was the last? One month ago. Was it, was it exactly one month ago? It was about a month ago. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at. My show got released July, like, like August first or something like that. Oh, okay. So we're the, so the entire month of August. Jesus. Like a lightning. Yeah. Um, okay. So we had Hopfest. Yes. Yes. You did have Hopfest. We talked about that <laughs> in a brief moment about getting to get to go to Hopfest. Yeah. No, it, it went over very well. Um, we ended up having, I think, 40, 45 beers total that we put out. Um, we had five go to B. McNally's, and then we did two a day. Each day leading up from B. McNally's. B. McNally's was Tuesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had two a day. And then Saturday, we released the remainder of them. Um, having only 16 taps, I think we did um, all of the year-round beers on the Growler Station. And then we had 16 to go for Hopfest beers. And then those rotated through as they kicked. Everything went very well. We had a few left over that were... Um, Putting on occasionally, mixing in with other forge batches to keep variety going to finish all those up still. Um, but uh, overall, very successful day. Um, what was the hottest hoppy beer that you made? That uh, sold the quickest. Sold the quickest. Uh, what was the first one to go? I think it was um, the Deep Sea Series which is our rotating new rotating IPA series, the uh, New England-style Citra Mosaic. Okay. And then the other one was either the... I think it might have been the Watermelon IPA was another big one. Um, but I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly which might have been the, the true first one okay. to go the quickest. But I know those two were very quick as once they went on, they were very soon turnover before the next one went on after them. Was it Madhouse? It was a Madhouse. Um, if it was a different time during the year, we probably had could have had a few more people, but August is a difficult month to get people coming into the brewery. I mean, everyone wants to get over to, uh, you know, <coughs> the beach. They're on vacation and everything like that. Um, there was a lot of other events going on that day as well. Places had bottle releases, can releases, all at the same time. But I would say we were at four-fifths of what Oktoberfest was last year. So Almost was, at full capacity. Yeah, I mean, we were definitely at full capacity inside the place. Yeah. Um, there was a couple lulls during, you know, like dinner time and stuff like that and sure. whatnot. And, but it was overall a very hectic day. A lot of running around, a lot of changing beers over, everything. So overall very good. And then we also had the... Uh, well, we had a couple new additions of tanks. We had our seven-barrel tanks installed. Who were they from? Uh, they're manufactured by Marks, but they're used tanks. I got them up in uh, in Michigan. Um, it was actually cheaper for my dad to fly out to Michigan, rent a U-Haul truck, and drive, and them, drive back. them back. Um, 
but it was Chelsea Aleworks, I believe. Uh, or yeah, Ale obviously House. they were a seven um, barrel system and they went bigger. And they they got a bigger uh, they got a bigger facility, so they were selling these tanks off, and um, we picked up three of them, three bright tanks, and they're going to allow us to have a dedicated bright tank for nitro <coughs> beers um, and a. Uh, Watch the fucking crinkle. It's not me. Um, it's going to allow us to have... Who brought the chips? Jesus. <laughs> Warren's eating damn Doritos. No. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a de- dedicated tank for nitro beers. We're going to have a dedicated tank for um, pulling off some larger one-off, like, forge batch style things from our regular batches, too. So if I wanted to make something... Um, Kind of a one-off specialty that can also be available in growlers, not just for pints in the tasting room. I'll be able to do a little more of that. Clarify something for me. So you said you have a seven-barrel tank that you just got in that you're going to use for um, brewing with nitro mm-hmm. or carbonating with nitro. Yep. Dustin, your AB, was in here just earlier today, and I was kind of a, intrigued by that because you know, nitro escapes liquid pretty readily, pretty mm-hmm. fast. So how do you carbonate something with nitro in a bright tank and then have it served without having flat beer? It's constantly keeping it on that pressure is the big thing. And it's not just like typical tank is going to be pressurized to 15 pounds or less than that. You're carbonating to 10, 12 pounds. Right. But your tank is never going to get over 15. You got a 15 PSI blow off on the thing. I actually have to get a 30 PSI blow off on this and then hook. I can do... One of two ways. What I've been doing previously was I would carbonate through a 15-barrel tank or 15-PSI uh, tank to, like, five pounds of pressure yeah, and then move it over and then hook it up to beer, ga- beer gas at five, four pounds of CO2, 16 pounds of um, nitrogen. nitrogen, and then have that 25-75 mix, so it's at 20 pounds pushed through, the, um, through my uh, nitro faucet. Um, the other way you can possibly do it is take beer gas and carbonate it to twenty pounds. Is there any any twenty pounds benefit to actually using all that nitro? Is there a, a flavor difference from what you're doing now to what you would do with a nitro tank? So what I've seen some other places do, and it's I mean to me, it I haven't done a ton of research on nitrogen beers for their carbonation levels and everything like that too much in-depth reading i've read a few different ways you can possibly do it but not too much in depth in their processing but um one of the guys that i worked with at Kane, he's down at beer vino and he just did his stout and he he carbonated that with a nitrogen tank Mm -hmm. to 25 30 psi and just ran it down into his bright tank and just held it over there and that's where he's running that right off the tank and he's like, this is the creamiest damn stat I've ever had before in my life. So there is a well, flavor difference. Well, see, nitrogen is only about one, one, if I'm remembering the numbers mm-hmm. right, about one one hundredth as soluble yeah. in water as CO2 is. Sure. The, the really big trick to pushing anything with nitro is you want a low, uh, low volumes of CO2 carbonation. Which is why, like, you'd usually only carbonate it to four or five pounds mm-hmm. if, like, you know, in a typical cold crash. Um, the nitrogen's mostly to push it through the nitro faucet. Sure. You know, there's, like I said, from 
the mathematics of it, there's really not a lot of nitrogen in solution at all. Right. It's just the action of jamming it through the nitro faucet and those tiny little pinholes mm. that really is what gives you that creaminess and knocks all most of the CO2 out of solution. So <clears throat> is it a perception or is it a reality that you get more creaminess if you carb a beer at 30 PSI with nitrogen? Not, not that it matters. Uh, I'm just curious because am I not doing justice to my stats by not carbing them with – I carb everything with CO2, but not carboning them with um, nitrogen when I force carb. Well, at a higher pressure of nitrogen, you're going to drive some more into solution. It's pretty much a direct curve. Yeah, but as soon as you open that atmospheric pressure, it's gone, hmm. whereas That's... CO2 remains, right? So do you, do you – well, remains relative to – how quickly it escapes the the beer, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I I'd be uh, really intrigued as to um, tasting that. And you're going to only do your stout on that, Matt? No, this we're going to do the actually the one we're going to be <clears> doing <throat> the most recent is going to be the uh, Oktoberfest. Oh, interesting. And then we're also going to have is that as we be... typically do. We have our amber and our stout also on nitro. Is that Oktoberfest going to be ready? Is that going to be for the Oktoberfest that we're having? It's a, it'll actually be ready probably by next week. Oh, cool. Um, and then we'll have that through Oktoberfest. Awesome. Is it more of a fest beer, or is it like a full-on malt bomb no, th- this Oktoberfest? No, this it's not Meritzen. It's more fest beer style. It's it's not like a amber Meritzen. It's actually, right. no, it's, it's actually it's, good. It's, it's, a, it's an in-between. It's not, I don't know if you'd call it a, a true fest beer where it's kind of like a, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like a Hellas or something like that. Right, yeah. Um, it's a little bit more malt character than that is, but it's still very, it's lighter and easier drinking than your than a traditional yeah. American. I also think it's or, got a little, this year you have a little bit more hop assertiveness, which I think helps with that. And it's a little drier, so it's, mm. it's quicker to, to swallow and yeah. easier to drink. But it does have an amberous, amber-esque kind of flavor to it. But it's it's a very well. I, I think uh, probably better than last year, Matt. And, and last year's was was good. Thank I mean, you. it was good. This year, I think is it's a better better product and a lot easier to drink. And you can get really wasted off of it really quickly if you're not careful because <laughs> it's easy to drink. Um, so you have uh, the new seven barrels. Which is half of what your system is, which is one <clears throat> fourth of what your bright tanks are usually, or your your fermenting tanks are, because you have thirty barrel tanks, right? Yes. So it's got to be a different little ball game for you to get into something so small and so unique and so easy to uh, maneuver. No, it's definitely it's. I mean, we do so many different things that it's just adding another component like this is definitely something new to get into. I mean, now that we can pull a whole chunk over and, you know, put something onto nitrogen in the seven barrel as opposed to carbonating the entire tank up to nitrogen level, pulling everything we want off and then carbonating the rest up for everything else, it adds one less step for us, but at the same time, another step because we have to clean a tank. Yeah. Uh, this also allows us to, you know, move, say, or make a full 30 barrel stout and then move seven barrels over and put it on to chocolate or coffee or something like that and then have a completely different separate beer that we can put a specialty on, you know, through the, you know, maybe one month or two weeks or something like that to have, you know, a specialty and have that available also for people to take home in growlers. That's cool. So one of the big things with us is always adding variety to to what's on tap and this, you know, 
allows us to keep avenue. going that way. It's pretty interesting that uh, that happened in the past couple of weeks where we saw you go down from 30 to 7, and we saw Manskirt go from 7 to, to 15. 15. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, you're, both are growing. It's both, they're both doing well. Um, it's a pleasure to be here in town to see that growth and to see people start talking about what's going on in town. And, John, you're awful quiet, buddy. Um, you know, are you drunk? I've got half a beer. No, I'm not drunk. <laughs> Wait, you had, you had the beer we're going to talk about? <laughs> <clears throat> you already drank the beer that we're talking about? I've still got a little left. That's not half. Shh. <laughs> Come on, guest. Get with the program. Poor guest. <laughs> so what? You, so what have you been up to? So taking a little a little break from our brewing realm, you're on the retail side of the thing. So how are things going over there? Oh, it, I mean, you know, summer's always a busy month for beer in any liquor store. Uh, you know, we're slinging a lot of craft stuff, which is great. Local. Local. Yep, we have an entire door devoted to. Wow, my beer is magically refilling itself. That's beautiful. Thank you, Carl. Um, we have a lot, we have a whole door devoted to New Zigmeister. Jersey Brew, right? Uh, yeah, we have Zigmeister, <laughs> we have Jersey Girl, we have Manskirt, <laughs> Dark City, Demented, Asbury Park, uh, Departed Souls, uh, more New Jersey beer than you can shake a stick at. Yeah. So, do you find that there's a lot of people that are going in to buy local, or are they still on the? Where is this that you can find all this fine beer? This would be Wine and Whiskey Country in Hackettstown on Route 517 in the strip mall across from the Quick Check. The strip mall in Skylands Mall is what it is. Right on 517 there, there's a Wine and Whiskey Country. Just recently changed their name from Wine Country to Wine and Whiskey. But they do more than wine and whiskey. They also have local craft beer. Yes, And they, they do, do a ton of beer um, yes. there. So, um, so are you finding more people coming in to ask for local craft beer, or are you finding more people just, you know, a mix of all? Uh, we Regarding will... beer, not wine and whiskey. Just right, beer. no, understood. Uh, we definitely have our devotees to the uh, local scene. Mm-hmm. You know, people always ask, you know, do you have the Lord Admiral Nelson double IPA or... You know, did you, is it you Lord guys Admiral? have Manskirt back? Or, wait, <laughs> it's what not was it? Lord Admiral. Lord Ad- oh, Lord Admiral. <laughs> the Admiral's flagship, USS Mosaic. See, it's, it's Admiral <laughs> flagship. Come on. He can say whatever he wants. Mia culpa. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, and then you have plenty of people that come in and say, hey, do you have any treehouse? Mia Moxie Macopa. <laughs> treehouse. And I say... No, you have to go up uh, there to we get just, it. We just sold out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't like lying to people. I just explained <laughs> See, to I, I get Treehouse here every once in a while. Yeah, I know. You have mules. They're a wonderful thing. I don't thing. have mules. I have people We that call them enjoy. nicer things than that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're, not, they're not guests, for sure. I know. They're very no, guest is a dirty <laughs> word. I know. Guest isn't a dirty word. We love having you. John, only once a year, though. <laughs> like a prostate exam. <laughs> I don't think I get my prostate check once a year. I think it's like once every five years. So you're above a prostate exam. <laughs> oh, you're you. above a prostate exam. <laughs> See, now above. we know where the bottom of the scale is. <laughs> we haven't established where the top of the scale is. Yeah. And I'm prostate not sure exam, we really want guessed. to. <laughs> <laughs> once a year, too. Yeah, dental x-rays are once a year. X-ray. Yeah, it sounds a little nicer. Uh, and, they, you know, you have people that uh, you're converting people in from... Uh, BMC drinkers into 
local stuff just because they're tired of not having beer with flavor. Awesome. So so that's a good segue. So considering you said converting people, let's talk about Matt and his conversion of people. Um, you've gotten into a lot, Matt, lately. You've gotten you into a lot people? of bottling. Converting Matt people is, into... Matt is into a lot of people these days. Yes. <laughs> Converting... Prospector Amber yep. is people. <laughs> hey, they have a voice. Corporations Speaking are people, of such, too. we no, will so be anyway. making a Soylent Green beer. Dry <laughs> <laughs> hopped with fentanyl. No, anyway, so get, getting back into this, like my segue was like, okay, Matt, you are doing a lot more now in canning, bottling, and doing everything now. So how many cans... How many different skews of cans do you have? And how many different bottles have you gone through? I mean, you've been in it for maybe a year and two months. Now, your growth has been pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we see you guys moving into all these cans. Yep. How is that? So you're doing how many cans? Uh, right now, we have the, uh, the five-year rounds. So Kolsch, Pale, Amber, Stout, IPA. Uh, we've done two Admiral's flagships, so we've got the USS Galaxy and the USS Mosaic have been out. So it's seven cans. Um, we have the Oktoberfest. That's eight. And I think that might be it. I didn't really have running uh, the Oktoberfest in a can series. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a lot of cans <clears throat> going out, man. How many times a month do you have these people in? They are in every week. So actually, three, say three out of four weeks. How close are you uh, to purchasing a canning line? Uh, still a little ways off, just because of space. So once um, you get the space, is that another trigger that you're going to pull? Well, the thing is, is once we get space, space costs money. <laughs> yes. And canning line costs money. Um, so we got we got to definitely look at a few different things before we get a canning line. Right now, it's still cost effective and profitable to work with uh, Ironheart. So up until the point where we can get a place definitely set up and moving forward, I mean, a canning line is going to need to be run at least once, if not twice a week, uh, to make it worth it. Because I got to hire a couple people to be able to run this line. Sure, right. Yeah, um, canning lines are tricky. They're, yeah. There's something that has to be tuned and tweaked nonstop while yeah, they're so running. You need an so you need not like knows no, how to run absolutely. it. Yeah, right. Absolutely. It's not like you just grab. Hey, you go man that position. No, no, in no. Canning I get it. It's like you need dedicated else, yeah. personnel doing nothing yeah. but experience that. too. Yeah. So we we're gonna need to pull in a couple people just to be able to do that. Um, we're going to have larger, you know, larger cold storage space and everything. So the expense of putting this other building together, what that, you know, what's this building going to be? Is it going to be a brand new building that we're going to be building? Is it going to be a space <laughs> locally that we're going to be renting? Are we going to rent a smaller space and then build it into a bigger space? Is going to be a whole thing right from the get-go? Are we going to be putting, you know, a cold storage canning line and other tanks? Or is it just going to be a couple tanks to run just that canning line, bright tank-wise, and then a little bit of cold storage that we can grow into larger so it's, so it's all going to depend it's, as to For now, we, it's status quo for you guys, yeah. but it's planning, 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 and... It's always planning the next step and then the step that's going to happen beyond that. And, of course, every next plan has uh, five or six different ways that you could possibly plan it, and then you need the five or six different ways that those things can go. So Starting a business, uh, I often look back at my um, my plan that I started with, my business plan. How often do you look back at your business plan and say, holy shit, I am so far gone from this plan? We I actually said that last weekend. Um, after having told myself this multiple times before, 
I said, you know, I need to be able to get back because to to having a business plan, really. Right, right. Because we have pushed past and beyond the boundaries of what our previous business plan was. Sure. That I felt like on a lot of things that we were dealing with and questions that we were answering, we were really moving in the dark. Right. And kind we didn't fly by the seat of your yeah, pants. We we didn't yeah. have direction. a plan or a direction to go with and we were just thinking, is this gonna work with us? And we told ourselves we have to sit down and write the we plan. have to rebuild at least the planning section of this of what we want to do going forward now. It's the hardest so thing that to we do have business, a direction right? again to be moving along. Well, so with with my business when it, when I'm I'm going on five year year five, and I'm recently going back in my plans and saying year five for me was to be sustainable and to be in the black. I am not there quite yet, but I'm very damn close to being there. Um, but my plans have changed quite dramatically from the time when I started to the time that I am now. <clears throat> I mean, I was I have a three prong system going on here, and my third prong hasn't been operational since I've been able to brew on premises here. And that's been taking most of my business. And that's like, okay, so now I got to look back at this plan. One of the hardest things, one of the first things you do when you first get into business is write a business plan. It's the first thing you do. And it's the first thing that you say to yourself, this is what I foresee happening. It's a pie in the sky, what I want happening, what I see myself doing in five years, what I see myself doing in 10 years. But if you don't follow it or keep up with it, in year five, you're you're changed so dramatically, and in your case, I can't imagine that growth that you guys experienced in the first year. In your case, it's got to be very difficult because it's got to be 180 degrees different than what you guys exactly. I mean, our, envisioned. Our, our biggest issue was we had a we had a five year plan, right? And within year one, we pulled aspects from every one of those years <laughs> and put it into year one. Yeah, we did. We you know the canning right was something we weren't expecting until year three. We weren't expecting to get new tanks until toward the end of year two. Right. Um, we'd never expected this many people to be coming to the tasting room, which pushed people onto the production floor section er- area so that way we can't expand production as far as we want right. to. We didn't expect to start the the barrel aging as soon as we do. We didn't right. expect to be putting as much through the pilot system. We didn't expect to be putting as much through the 15-barrel system. It happened very um, We didn't expect to have this many employees. See, that's, that's where things are really, really tricky for a brewery. A business can expand or contract as needed, like, you know, in a typical business. But a brewery, your brew house is your brew house. It's, yeah. it's not like you can say, well, you know, we have a 15-barrel brew house, but next week we're going to do 20 barrels. You're either brewing yeah, two 10-barrel batches or you're spending a gajillion dollars on an entire new brew house. Right. That's the thing. Like, I think, I think you did that pretty well, seeing that you needed 30 barrels to ferment in. 15-barrel mm. system. Was pretty robust. I mean, that was kind of like <clears throat> the low end of where you needed to start to be very nimble in what you're doing. Um, but you're doing so much production now. I mean, how would a 30-barrel system look for you? How would I a 60-barrel system look for you? I still think, I mean, the way we're brewing things right now, I still think that 15-barrel system was the right size to go. It allows me to have the versatility to do what I want. Um, You'd be more nimble. If you're dealing with thirty barrels, really. If I if I was dealing with thirty barrels, I, it's you know yeah it's one run through that system that I do in a day instead of the two that I do in a brew right, day, so right. it drops my day from thirteen hours to eight hours. But the nice thing about um, the the one thing when people talk about Bud, when people talk about any any big brewery right now, what even if not macro, just large craft breweries too, is the repeat of the the consistency of the flavor of their beer. 
Right. And a lot of times it's not just their QA, QC pro and the the checking of the individual malts and the and the and the hops and everything that they're putting in to make sure everything's to the T so that nothing is very variable there. It's blending of multiple batches together. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's really helping out, you know, at the brewery too is the fact that, you know, yeah, we have to do thirty barrels, but it's nice to be able to do two fifteens and blend two together because if for some random reason right halfway through my first brew my boiler goes down and i have to fix that now that gave variation in my first batch that i can go through and check and change something on my second to fix it and make sure it's back to normal again on the flip side of that though you have four how many you have five staple beers yeah five year rounds so five year rounds these are five year rounds that are always on draft at your place those five year rounds you can brew in a 30 barrel system and have an you know an ample supply a, a production side of those five year rounds with a bigger system, mm-hmm. and on your smaller system you can do your pilot batches, your one offs, whatever you want to call them, um, <clears throat> and really hone in on the skill of trying to come up with something different. But on the on the production side, you have a larger so it's. But I mean, I'm still not to the point anywhere near that I've maxed out. No. My 15 barrel system, right? Matt no, I, no, I know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I need to be running my 15 barrel system around the clock, around the six clock. days a week. Right, right, right. And I'm no, I'm right now doing two brews, not five brews, two brews, twice a week, one week, and then two brews, three times a week, the week after. Right. Not five. 30 barrels. Well, you, you, don't have 30 the, brews. you don't have the capacity to store that much beer. No, I don't. So. But that would be the max capacity off that. 15-barrel system, if I had a 30-barrel. His maximum return on assets, if you want to use manufacturing terms, would be to run the brew house 24 hours a day no, absolutely. and have enough fermenter space for that. Fermenter that's space right. is where right. it's at. Though. Fermenter that's, that's space from, and keg storage right. and you know. kegs. Yeah. Well, right. well, yes, but assuming that you that you could basically put it from the fermenter into a keg and put it out the door right, as fast right. as possible. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And that, that brings me to my next question. When are you going across state lines? I still have so many places that I can get to in Jersey. That I don't see myself pushing across state lines. I mean, I could say for the next two years, but I really, honestly, don't know. But so, my my thing is, there's so many more liquor stores that I can hit in Jersey. So well, many more bars and restaurants that I can hit in Jersey. Jersey's a so when you when you're talking regional regionalization or when you're talking just Jersey, Hackettstown is northwest New Jersey, so it's about three hours north, three hours south to get to either Tip. Of New Jersey, north or south, and about an hour and a half uh, east from mm-hmm. Hackettstown, right? So you're you're traveling three hours south to get to a liquor store down south, where you can travel 15 minutes west and get to a liquor store in Pennsylvania. But I'm not driving 15 miles west to get to Pennsylvania. I'm selling it for 25 percent less profit to a distributor who's driving to Pennsylvania. Okay. So are you moving into dis- distribution with the distributor? No. Okay. Because I don't want to cut the profits down just yet, so I'm going to keep pushing in New Jersey as much as I can before jumping over into PA. Because so, it's not because yeah, once I sign with the distributor, it's not just oh okay, I just want to distribute my stuff 15 miles west of me. So, it's, so, now I'm it's in Pennsylvania, so crossing and now Pennsylvania state lines, gets my beer. <laughs> you have to you have to get a distributor to cross state lines. I need to get a distributor cross state to cross state lines, and then once I get that distributor, it's wherever that distributor wants right. to put. Right. So. You're saying, yeah, and I don't know about they, this law. They push, so, like, exclusivity, too. Like, if you no, go through a dis- no, distributor, that. they don't want you self-distributing. No, I get, no they don't want so, you self-distributing to the places that they sell to. You can self-distribute to someplace else, but they don't want you to go to, let's say if they go to Bavik, they don't want you to go to Bavik to sell. Yeah. They want to go to Bavik. That, that makes sense. But for me, um, is it worth the 25% cut as opposed to traveling down 
two and a half hours or three hours or four hours on a camp. Key no, it just depends as to how much you care about your product. How so? At what point do you say to yourself, um, "I need to get into Poconos. Mm-hmm. I don't need to go down to Cape May." At what point? Well, do it's you not, break that I, line. I mean, even right now, I'm not looking at getting over to the Cape May side or to the Atlantic City. I'm more looking at, say, Cherry Hill. Okay. But to me, self-distributing down to Cherry Hill is good because then you have all those people that are over on the Philly side sure. that now know about the beer because they're, it's close enough that Philly is now getting a feel for the beer. Let's say that that happens and more and more people don't want to come across state lines to get your beer. They're still on the Philly side. Like at what, what my point is what what point in time do you say okay when I've got 6 million dollars to be able to build another facility because if I can't supply all of Philadelphia is that what's I can't take? start in Philadelphia. Is that was going to take 6 million? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm making right now I I'm, I'm at two I've made 2200 barrels of beer. Right. To supply more than likely, what Philadelphia would probably want of my beer, I would need to be making 5,000 barrels a year for Philadelphia. So what's the, what's the next step with your brewery then? Are you going to go with more canning, or are you going to go with more storage space? To I'd to- like to keep up with canning, but that's going to supply New Jersey to make enough money to get another facility, to get a canning line, to get more cold storage, to get more tanks, to be able to brew more, to eventually get into other areas. Yeah, I'm just trying to get... Yeah, so I mean, this is this uh, is it's, an. It's crazy. It is. It's scaling up is a crazy problem. It is. It is a crazy it's problem. I'm just trying to. Problem. It's not and, just and, like oh, I feel like going. No, to no, I, I get it. No, yeah. no, I get it. I'm if just trying to get this out before your business can support it and your sales. If you scale up before your sales are ready to support it, you can put yourself right in a hole, and that can be the end of your business. Scaling up is dangerous. I mean, sales in the area can definitely support me scaling up. It's just the issue of. Me being able to right. be okay with skin, like me being able to produce beer sure. that much right. on my team that I have right now. So it's like right. increasing your team, increasing everything. I mean, it's just yeah. This is how hard it is to open up a brewery in in your life. I mean, this is just we're talking just New Jersey for sure. I mean, but if, this if, is all if you just care about being the brewery, the brewery for your town and maybe the next town over, and being that small little like brew pub without food. You know, just Hitting being the town bar, then that's not, that no, that's not a problem. Quo, you know, right? you're, you have just the people no, coming absolutely. over to you from the town. Yeah. They're enjoying your beer, whatever. You don't sell. Maybe you sell to two or three other bars or restaurants, and that's it. That's great. It's hard. But I mean, when it, you want to actually, you know, grow to be able to push this stuff outside of the area, then you're dealing with a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm dealing with seasonality of which places want what. I've got some place, a lot of places that are rotating taps. And they're like, well, you know, you'll be on for this season and not on for the next one. And right. it's a really good bar, so they're pulling a bunch of pro- products. So I'm saying, oh, okay, well, now I'm sitting at Amber at this much, so I need to make sure I'm doing that. And all of a sudden, that season's done with. I lose one-sixth of the amount of Amber going out my door. Right. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to replace that with another place as quick as that. So maybe I've got to back down on that. But then that opens tank space up. Should I make a whole other right. series of something to put something new out? And it's, it's not like you have a, a, an endless supply of money to get an endless supply of tanks. No. To get an endless supply of fucking beer to. That's heaven. Yeah, that, yeah. It is. It's <laughs> like, but see, like, on the other side dreaming. of the coin, let's say, <laughs> let's say you had a limitless supply of money to get all the storage you need. You can't put beer in storage and leave it there forever. No, it's, you have to sell it. It's a living it product. Yeah, it needs absolutely. to move. You have to get rid of it. You have to consume it. I mean, um, 
It's a trick. It's definitely a trick. I think some sometimes more than others for any other businesses that are out there, <clears throat> since it is a living product, it's a trick to get your product to go. Uh, and how do you do it? How do you do it to, to, to become someone like a Samuel Adams or to become someone like a Sierra Nevada or um, to become something like uh, New Belgian Brewing Company? How do you do? How do you get to that next step? Time. Do you want to? You work your way up to it. I, Time I don't want to get that. I don't. I don't want to get that big, but I do want to become regional. Right. I want to be in New York City or New York. I want to be in Pennsylvania. Right. I'd like to be in like you know Six Delaware, Maryland, or, yeah, you know, Connecticut, and whatnot. But I'm not going to immediately be like, oh, okay, let's get a 50 barrel brew house and all these tanks, and then just sell to every state. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. You know, I kind of. What always creeps in the back of my mind from a business standpoint, from where we are as a brewery, is Krispy Kreme Donuts. How, how funny that sounds. But the way that they tried to grow and the way they tried to get involved in every single state and spread themselves so damn thin that they fell. Mm. And now you don't see Krispy Kreme anywhere. They've closed hundreds of stores. I think there's a minimal of maybe a couple of dozen left in the United States. Um, and they grew from like one Krispy Kreme donut to let's conquer the world to now let's just see what we can do to survive. And that's, well, that's I think that's, that's when you overstep, right. you, like you, your reach exceeds your grasp. Right. And for a business like a brewery, that can really put you in a bad place. Right. And like I think you're all these one product. Yeah, yeah that's right. it. Like, I mean, I might be making a few different types of right. beer, but you're making beer. Yeah, and you're if making. Anything happens that beer becomes unfavorable for a it. short period of time. And we've seen it. We've seen it with a lot of people over the last couple of years. We've seen it where, you know, something goes wrong with a beer. They have to recall all their product or they have to explain why their beer is bad. Or it's just a beer is beer. It is the the sustenance of which you make your living with. It's beer. It's one product. It's one thing. And this is a good segue into our next comment, our next segue that we're going to get into is um, do we feel that the sales – and the marketing and the regulations hold up for craft breweries versus the people that have to purchase uh, an ABC license to sell alcohol, liquor, and um, wine, um, bars, and restaurants. So with that said, before we get to that comment and before we take a break, John, why don't you read to what we're drinking here tonight? Um, we kind of decided to go local um, and this is from the Flying Fish. So, Flying Fish Extra Pale Ale. Uh, original American Pale Ale highlights subtle malt flavor and aromas of Pacific Northwest hops. Uh, subtle, sophisticated flavors up front balanced by the characteristic aromas of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, XPA is an extremely balanced beer with a beautiful straw color. 5.2% by, uh, by volume. Pretty tasty stuff, I'll give you that. What is the date on it? Like drink before buy or uh, drink, born day? Uh, best buy eleven twenty one seventeen. So so we got some pretty, time. Oh yeah, yeah pretty, pretty darn young, fresh. Pretty fresh. Yeah. Um, Matt, what are your take on this? Um, it's a nice balance between hops and um, malt. Hops and malt. It's it's not thin on the finish. There's definitely a malt backbone backbone there. It's not malty sweet. But it, it's, you know, you can tell it's got some light base malt in there. It's got a little bit of mix, maybe 
Uh, I'd go maybe as far to say as a pinch of Vienna or something. I mean, it's got definitely some other, not just two row. Right. Um, and then the the hops in there are nothing too big standout offish. It's not your Citra Mosaic, Amarillo, Galaxy <laughs> stuff that you see all over the place right now. I mean, this is definitely more of your traditional American style, but traditional hops. I mean, you're getting some grapefruit flavors in there. You're getting that citrusy flavor, right. but it's light subdued. There's there's a um, a citrus, fruity, floral, slight earthy, spicy in the back. It, it's very rounded in. It's no specific hop pops out and, ooh, that's so yeah. much fruit or well, whatever. Yeah, oh, my God, it's in your bomb. It's not a, a, no, it's not a fruit, tropical fruit huge bomb. over the top. It's just you're getting Pacific Northwest hops that work with the malt to round everything out. Good stuff. How about you, Keith? What do you think? I think it's a really nicely balanced beer. You know, it's it's got enough bitterness to, you know, to really balance out the malt. The mouth feels great. It's definitely something you could sit and drink a few of. Definitely a session beer. I would concur with everything you guys said, and I'm enjoying it tremendously, and it's fresh. I could see this beer probably oxidizing very quickly after November, reducing some of the hop tones that are in there yeah. and getting into a cardboard-like <laughs> flavor very quickly. But fresh... I can drink this probably all day long. Yeah, no. Lacings Carl's, on the side. Good yeah, lacing. lacings. Yeah, yeah very good. Uh, remnants of each sip that you took. You can see the rings. Um, good lacings. White, uh, stark white head. It's clear. It's gold in color. Very clear, bright, and brilliant. Um, and the 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 um, carbonation is right on, spite on. It's not over-carbonated, it's not under-carbonated. It's, uh, good lasting very, head retention. Very yeah. nice and pleasant. Mm. Yeah, and it lasts. The head retention doesn't re, uh, dissipate into a ring, and it actually keeps a full head. Yeah, I mean, I've been the... slowly sipping on this guy since we started. Head. I even haven't had it filled back up. and There's no ring. I've got, what, a third left of the cup here, and it's still got head on it. Yep. So, so this has been since the start of the show. <laughs> Well done with the Flying Fish. And, um, out of Summerdale, New Jersey. Out of Summerdale, New Jersey. A local craft beer. Um, cheers to them and cheers to local craft. And we're going to take a two-and-two two break. Um, we're going to drain our dragons and be <laughs> right back. into this segue with River Horses. My name is Citrus Maximus IPA. I guess it's a takeoff of um, that movie that what's his name was in? Gladiator? The dude with the gladiators. Gladiator. Yeah, that, that narrowed it right down. <laughs> that movie with the guy and he that does guy, this you stuff. Know, he does the stuff with he, the gladiators. Russell Raven. Uh, Russell Crowe. <laughs> you like gladiator movies. I, I <laughs> <laughs> so this is called A White Grapefruit and Passion Fruit India Pale Ale. Um, it's from uh, River Horse Brewing, who's located in Ewing, New Jersey. As you as you heard earlier, we're going to try just to drink New Jersey craft beers today because we feel like it. Um, it's a 4.95% alcohol by volume beer, so it's a very sessionable ale. 
Uh, I haven't tasted it yet, but uh, one of our take, one of our guests here tonight, uh, Keith is his name, not guest. Um, has there can said, be only one. <laughs> Listen, we're not fighting it out. Okay? So every time I you say, can be the guest. Every, I left my broad. There can be only car. one. Sword fight. Sword fight. Every, every time someone says guest, someone has to, someone else has to say there could be only one. Um, so guest, there could be only one. Be um, my. <laughs> not gonna fall for it, guest. There can be only one. There you go. Um, anyway. Keith said something about this beer that has a lot of what in it? Citra. No. Come on. <laughs> cat pee. Come cat on. pee. It's definitely got a, a very heady note of cat pee. So, or what I would imagine cat pee to taste like, having never actually. If I didn't drink gallons of it a day, pee. I wouldn't be able to tell you what it tastes like. <laughs> See, I, I've I've drank cat piss before. It's supposed to be good for you. No, that's uh, that's whoever, cow piss. Oh, oh, shit! Yeah, whoever told you that was completely full of it. <laughs> God damn it! I fell for that shit. I thought it was cow piss. <laughs> Oops. I thought so, that was clamato. <laughs> clamato. What is that? Is that like a that's clam juice and tomato? Oh, uh, is that what that is? Oh, is that supposed to be? But they, it's it, apparently enough people drink it that they put it in bottles. So. <laughs> Wait, wait, the Clamato? They put it in cans. Yeah. They put it in cans. You ever drink from a can before? No. Stop drinking from my can. <laughs> that was that wasn't an awkward That, was that wasn't silence. awkward at all. <laughs> that wasn't trying to force a joke or anything. <laughs> and so, then I said, stop drinking from my can. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gus didn't say anything. There could be only one. Thank you. <laughs> Um, so I haven't had it yet. I'm actually just reading off the can. Um, Which has now been rendered into a dirty word. <laughs> like guest. Yeah, well, guest has be always been a dirty word. Not rendered, it's just by proxy. You take the cake, John. By inception. <laughs> by inception. <laughs> Lovely. I think this beer is an excellent example of when you take Citra too far. So is this... Wow, there's. So, do you think citra was used as a bittering up? I definitely think there's citra in here. Now, I'm not sure if, in addition to this, there is any other juices added to it. I can't see anything on here that says there are. So, it might just be. Well, it looks beer. like juice. Do you think this is a take on trying to get like an, a New England style? Because it's kind uh, of yeah. Considering that you just poured the last of the can in your glass and it looks like the bottom of a fermenter. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Well, let me ask you this then, uh, gang. And please, everyone chime in with your information on what you think a New England IPA is. What What is a New England IPA? Is it a double IPA? Is it a single IPA? Is it, can it be both? What I mean, what besides cloudy and juicy? That's what a New England IPA is. Is it? It could be... 4%? Well, is it 9%? Well, no, I think the New England style can be all over the place. If you're saying it's a New England IPA, then it goes along the IPA alcohol percentage range. But Which if you're is, going a New England double IPA or a New England style pale ale, then those are going to be different alcohol levels. So you actually think New England style is like Manhattan clam chowder and New England clam chowder? Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what my opinion of New England IPA no, is. No, tell us. I mean, it's important. So if you guys, if you guys who are listening don't realize what was going on here, we have a guy who works in the industry, 
who works at a liquor store. Um, so he gets the idea of purchasing beer from Matt and seeing homebrewers coming in by. You have a guy here who teaches people how to make beer from homebrewing aspects. Who would that be, Warren? Me. And who else? Who 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 sees the difference? from home brewers to professional brewers, and you have Matt, who sees the professional brewers, the difference between professional brewers and home brewers, and you have an, a, another gentleman here who is on both sides, who's a craft beer lover and a home brewer himself. So we have, we've actually poked four points of the bearing realm, and it's important to get your information. Now, tell me what you think of what a New England IPA is. And why it's it is why you think that. I mean, it's it's important to get this out there, and we'll get to our subject really shortly. I promise. I, my opinion renewing of IPA. I think initially it started with somebody wanted to create a very juicy but not bitter IPA. Whenever you hop anything heavily, especially dry hopping, you're going to get some haze. And I think it evolved past that into I want to make my beer look like goddamn orange juice, no matter what the cost. I'm not a big fan of it because you hear all the stories about, oh, well, they throw flour in the boil or, like, they use mountains of oats and all that. I think to a certain extent the murkiness has become part of a gimmick in the whole juicy IPA thing because we drink with our eyes. If they tell you that a murky IPA is going to be really juicy and you pour a murky IPA, you're going to drink it and you're going to expect it to be juicy. Now, I, I'm not saying I don't disagree with you i'm just gonna play a although advocate yes now although this isn't a traditional style a while ago well it's still kind of going on today but the big thing was the look of a beer as opposed to necessarily the other aspects of a beer because back in germany it was all about head retention and clarity so when people would look at it, they would be able to tell in their mind what they felt the taste of the beer was going to be. Although, myself personally, I feel that it's more important the overall taste of your beer as opposed to what it looks like. I could really care less if it's, oh, that's a Pilsner, it should be crystal clear. Well, you know what, it's a little bit of haze to it, whatever. I don't filter it, but it tastes perfect. You know, Right. But I'm at the same time, people have this idea in their head that a New England IPA is supposed to be hazy, and so by looking at a hazy beer from a distance and being told that's a New England-style IPA, you're already getting a perception of what that beer potentially could taste like, which then would enhance whatever or detract from whatever based off the taste from that point going forward. Right. Um, let's, let's just say that the chase, historically speaking, the chase for clear beer was the onset of kilning processes, chilling processes. Well, it was... Chasing that clarity for because they wanted to compare it to water. If it was clear and beer. Well, yes, yes and no. Clarity, from a commercial point of view, is also a good indicator of shelf stability. Well, I'm just talking. I'm just talking. Just talking I'm not we're just talking, talking historically. Back in the day when, when historically you speaking, you would see a clear oh, right. beer. Like it, not necessarily in terms of qual- overall quality, shelf stability, and all that. Just a person looking at it from a distance going, that is a yeah. good beer. Let's, yeah. call it, let's call it 1700 <laughs> or 1685. You put a cloudy beer and a clear beer. The person is going to choose, is going to choose at that time frame, the clear beer because it represents 
Right, the visual Purity. aspect of mm-hmm. it makes it look Premium, cleaner and beverage. more pure. Right. So, right. so the onset of Brewers was to make the chase was to make the clearest beer you can make. You got to figure the clear beer came out of the lagering process, right? Because they would it absolutely it, they would did. No, there's no it doubt. Allowed, it would get it would get clear. Well, and clear and light. That. They they wanted to go as light as they could because they wanted to make this beer as right. crystal clean as water. Right. right, but then they also have the Hefeweizen um, mm-hmm. tradition there, but that is not that is supposed to be drunk young. But at the same time, too, if you have a uh, if you have someone that says, "Oh, this is a hefeweizen," and it's not as cloudy as that, people would look at that and go, "There's something wrong with your hefeweizen." But that's called right. crystalweizen. No, that's but there, <laughs> but there's a difference between a crystalweizen right. and right. a right. not so cloudy hefeweizen. Right. Yeah, yeah, there's right. there's a See, difference. My beef isn't with the cloudiness of the beer. Right. Right. My beef is with the fact that it's kind of been turned into a marketing wank term. You know, it's like, oh, New England IPA, look how muddy it is. It looks like orange juice. But at That's the same time, too, I could be making a Pilsner <clears throat> that, after lagering, is perfectly clear, whereas another person makes a Pilsner where, after lagering, it's muddy and then says, well, I'm going to filter the crap out of this to make it look good so I can say, look at my crystal clear, perfect, beautiful Pilsner. Right. Right. So someone else is making a New England-style IPA saying, crap, I can't make it cloudy because I don't know what I'm doing in the brewing process and throwing in whatever they can to keep it up to that standard of whatever yeah. people are depicting a New England-style IPA to be. Right. So let's, let's just start with the definition then. The fact that they'd go out there and say that I throw fl- flour in there to make it is kind of stupid. I stupid. Don't, I don't think Because you should probably not admit that. I don't think they would <laughs> ever admit that they I, throw flour. They, the, they that's have. actually been admitted. Yeah. So, I don't remember exactly what brewery it was, but it was openly admitted. Well, I've, I've opened up said brewery's um, bottles and found remnants of concentrate of juice, literal juice like concentrate. Because I, I, okay, so I used to work for a juicing company. We used to can and we used to carton orange juice, and they would leave this. Residual orange juice rind. Yeah, almost like a ring. Ring on the thing. So when I opened up the beer bottle, you could see that where it went into the bottle and it left this orange juice concentrate ring. So I, I've, I've seen it firsthand, and I, I'm not going to say who brewery is because I can't tell you if it was for sure, but I have a very good inkling that it was uh, remnants of concentrate orange juice or some kind of fruit juice. That was added to the beer to make it not only juicier but cloudy. Um, and I've also heard of stories of flour being put into beer, but I've never been proven that it has happened. And you guys are saying that it actually came out. I so, think a brewery said that they one of their ingredients was. I can't don't remember because I just I just read some article lately about a New England style IPA, and this guy was for them. I don't know who he worked for or what company he worked for, but obviously it was slanted towards the pro of a New England style IPA, and he denounced the use of flour in these IPAs. Like so said, you never know what's true or what's not. My beef isn't with the whole New England IPA. It's right. the the chase of like of let, cloudiness I'm making over my beer quality. cloudy. Well, right, I think exactly. as a brewer, right. I think no, as I, brewers, I we all know that. we all know what makes a beer juicy, and you might not. Uh, John, you might not know what makes a beer juicy. Um, we all know that water profile has everything to do with mouthfeel. Mm. We all know that fermentation, or um, not fermentation, but mash temperatures has everything to do with mouthfeel. 
We all know that that slick yeast or that has juicy to do with it too. has has and, and yeast choice has a lot to do with that mouthfeel as well. So as brewers, we all know this, and we all know that to accentuate those flavors, we need to do X. Right. And it's not so much adding flour to a beer, or it's not so much making your beer look like uh, something that came out from a mudslide. It's not so much that. It's so much the chemistry behind this beer that we all know. That that's how you do it. Well, like I said, it's one thing if the if there's a if you're brewing a New England style IPA, like that juicy IPA, and you end up with a hazy beer just because that's the way the process worked out. That's fine. My beef is with the places that are actively chasing haze for the sake of haze right. or or like they they're proud of the fact that yeah, when you right. pour it out it's like chunky and there's crap floating around in your glass i don't think that's anything to be proud of at all well the, still to this day the epitome of the <clears throat> new england ipa the catalyst that started this whole thing this alchemist heady <sighs> topper it started it, you have to admit it, it probably was the catalyst that started this whole thing yep on the can itself it says drink from the can don't look into a glass <laughs> This is going to be murky and muddy. Um, it's very much changed since the yeah. original ones. You right. pour it out of a can now, and it's not as chunky. Not as, it as was chunky back as it today. was back then, right? Things have changed dramatically since they've gone to the new brew system. But right. but that's that was the catalyst. Like uh, so, from the beginning, people were afraid that people were going to be turned off by the way that looks. Now, it's a fad to get the chunkiest out there, and I've seen some really bad stuff. Pictures online, pictures See, on the, some the really, groups. The worst part of Chunks it, though, like from a brewery's point of view, beer. is the shelf stability of anything with that much crap floating around Small. in it is low. You That's why, like, you might go for a New England IPA and maybe it's only been on the shelf three weeks and you pour it and it's like, wow, this is horrible compared to the one that I had two weeks ago. As a home brewer, to make 10 gallons of this stuff is detrimental because by the time you're <clears> done <throat> with the eighth, ninth gallon and going into the tenth gallon... It's no good anymore. It's just, unless you have the, the, the crowd of people to drink it immediately, it just goes south. Excuse me. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't taste as fresh as it would have from the beginning. It, it tastes different, right? We've had this test because I've made. It's not I've, bad. I've, yeah. I've, I've, I dabbled three in a row New England IPAs, right? And what they tasted like after a week was very different than what they tasted like after two months. Yep. But after two months, they were still pretty good. They just weren't anything like. Yeah, no, they, they turn into like they that. turn into like a, 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 a barley idea. wine or yeah, right. See, or I'm, just I'm, a regular IPA that's gone south a little bit, and then they turn into this barley wine style of a beer where it's eight percent, and you just you just drink multi beer that has uh, oxidized hops. See, I kind of wish I'd have known we were going to be doing this here, because I would have brought by another growler. Is I, after speaking with Chuck from Jersey Girl. We were talking about New England IPAs, and I voiced my opinion of Hayes and how it's not mm -hmm. really necessary to get the same juiciness out of a beer. And he said, do you really think you could do something like that? And, like, it wasn't directly a challenge, but I took it that way and brewed a, a, a New England-style IPA that you can actually see through the glass. Yeah. You know, it's got Hayes, it's got a hop Hayes, well, but it choice. still has... It's yeast choice. It's a whole bunch of stuff, but basically... It's got the juiciness. It's got a crap load of hops to it, but it's not bitter, and it's not this. I mean, right. this is no, murky. Yeah. Well, I don't think they were going with possibly New England style when they were doing this. I don't their think whole, they were either. Their whole thing is even uh, Carl was showing me on, on the internet. It's they added white grapefruit juice oh, and, and passion fruit passion juice fruit, to yeah. it. So it's 
it's got that juice side of it, but it's not that hop juice side. It's not that supposed no, to that absolutely. lighter no. body, huge flavor side. I mean, it's there is citra, there is mosaic, there is one other one too. And so, I, I mean, I'll it's give these guys credit. Falconer's Flight. Yeah, yeah, these these guys are coming out and telling you exactly what they're doing with their beer, which yeah. I like. Some of the other breweries that have done this don't do that, and they say that it's New England style. But I don't think I think you're right on the money. We'll let John read off exactly what they say about their beer. Uh, apparently it says, Staying true to the name, we double-dosed this IPA with citra hops by adding them in the boil and again during the dry hop, where we combined them with mosaic hops for the complex fruity aroma. There's that citra mosaic. Yeah. Yep, you got that. We also used huge amounts of passion fruit and white grapefruit to create the super citrusy and refreshing IPA. Uh, hop bill includes citra mosaic and falconer's flight. I wonder who else uses that around here. Nobody that I know. Uh, malt bill, <laughs> pills and honey, and carapils. One of the best-selling pale ales in the northwest Warren County area is your Falconer's Pale Ale, no doubt, I, I would say. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of people that come in here that talk about that all the time, and that's their go-to when they go over to your place. So uh, kudos to Falconer's Flight and to your um, pretty damn good your foresight. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good hop, but uh, so is Falconer's Flight 7 Seas. That's another good hop. Um, there's so many good hops out there that are being underutilized, and everyone just seems, seems to lean towards Citra Mosaic, but that's that's on another. Well, yeah, that's that's a whole another angle. Is like the the trendy hops, right? The the proprietary name stuff, and then a lot. There's a lot of old hops that are really damn good that are just getting kind of left in the dust. Here, here. Over, yeah. No, I, I I see it, and I try to incorporate that into a lot of different things. Like I like to look at the history of where hops came from and what was noble and what was not noble, and see what kind of things we can do with those. Um, that's kind of what my MO in brewing is. Um, but I digress and I kind of get off topic here. I want to get on this topic of, and I'm going to shift gears here a little bit. We might need another beer to get there, but I want to shift gears here because as of late, I've seen this pop up many times. I've actually shared an article that came up in uh, the New Jersey Herald, I believe, an online uh, newspaper and also a regular print newspaper uh, about the pseudo could be war on craft beer movement regarding serving beer out of your facility as a brewery versus serving beer, wine, and liquor out of a bar or restaurant. And I kind of I got to, for me, it's, I'm, I'm going to side with the breweries on this because I think there's <clears throat> so much more opportunity for a bar or a restaurant to, to do more with what they have than what a brewery can do with. Um, and it all stems down to this regulation that has been passed where as you enter into a brewery, you are required to take a tour um, or be given a tour before you can get a tasting and that you're not allowed to serve food or even snack food in a brewery. And um, there's been some pushback as of late in New Jersey. It seems to be the only state that this comes up in because it's fucking New Jersey. Um, and this always happens in New Jersey. It's like 
the litmus test for political fucking whatever it is. It's the regulation for regulations. Whatever. Well, it, just, it just ends up that, you know, you got fucked up laws to begin with. Right. And then you allow one person to do something because it's the right thing to do, which goes against that fucked up law that you made. So you have to make another fucked up law to cover up the fucked up law. Well, that that's like, in the process of right. screwing over that good thing that you passed before it. Right. Well, right. see, that's the problem. Like they artificially limited the market on liquor licenses, mm-hmm. which made them horrendously expensive. It's a huge, huge the prohibition. Other, that, the For other issue restaurant that or they, liquor store to, to have. They, they limited it and made it so that that individual owns it. Right. It's no, not that when not. that facility is sold or goes under, no, it's a personal it doesn't ownership. go back to the state. Now right. that person owns it and can sell it to someone else. So that now inflates it and co- they can charge whatever they want for exactly. that. Exactly. Right. So now, right. like a There's lot no of There's no fair market is, value for yeah, it. No, there never is. Liquor stores and restaurants that, are, that paid huge amounts of money for liquor licenses that are now saying, well, hey, what you're doing is going to devalue what I paid for for my liquor license. Right. Which I'm not sure I entirely buy that argument. Listen, the market the market for a thing is what the market is. It's like anything else. You don't go to a car dealership and buy a car and then drive it off the lot and then start screaming that it just depreciated because you used it. No, it's just how it works. Well, for for me, um, I see breweries and bars and restaurants gaining a totally different um, clientele, like. There are clientels that will go to a bar and brewery, but I think on a, any given day, when you look at the people that go into a bar and brewery, and you look at the people that go into a, or a bar and restaurant, and you go into the people that are into brewery, you're going to two different types of people. I don't know if you're going to two different types of people. You're going two different for people types of looking for two different types of experiences. Well, yeah, right. which, which breaks it out into two different so types got, of... No, I've got... Tons of different groups of people that will come into the brewery, and there are people that will go into a bar or a restaurant also. It's just that, I get that. if they no, want to I'm come saying... into the brewery, they're not wanting to look for a sit-down food sort of setting. For me, if, if I'm a student in a college and I'm going to a bar, I'd rather go to a bar at that time because I could pay $3.40 or $3 for a Budweiser and not $6 for a pint. That's I... the difference. You know, I'd, I'd like to think that to a certain extent, you're seeing some of that stuff shift around. I don't see that happening here. I haven't seen that happen. Mm-hmm. College students coming into the breweries. How many college no. students do you get into the breweries? Not many. None, right? No. But you go to fucking goddamn this bar right behind me. It's packed with college students. Packed. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you're, ta- you're talking about a different kind of market because by and large, that's most what I'm college saying. students Two don't different have. Types of that, no, but I'm saying that's one specific market. I mean. Right. To so, say that B. McNally's is only a college bar is I'm wrong. not saying that at all. I'm just saying that the majority of their business is done through a different clientele than a brewery would be done. <clears throat> yes. I think what Warren's trying to say is by allowing tasting rooms to serve, like, finger foods, pretzels, potato chips, shit like that, you're not really going to impact the bar crowds you're not. as much as the bars are complaining in, in, in about. The end, in the end, the bars don't. The bars and restaurants really don't care about whether or not I'm going to sell finger food or, or whether I'm going to sell a bag of snacks. Then what is this about what, then? What they care the about alcohol. is in what they care about is in the process of passing this law. We're also trying to pass that we don't have to do a tour, and the restaurants want that on there because they feel that that's enough of an annoyance and a burden to get people to not go to a brewery. You walk into my facility, you can see my facility from A to C. Yes. 
I say, this is my facility. This is the tour. That's it. Yes. That's how is that a burden on people Man, coming you have in here? A tour. I have a self-guided yeah, tour. Yeah. So that how I have is that to a burden to everybody? But it's still, I need to make sure that everybody that comes through right. does gets that piece of paper. Right. If I have four thousand people walk through my door in eight hours, mm-hmm. every single one of them has to get that piece of paper. It's a lot easier if it's a Wednesday at. Three o'clock when I have four people that walked in, right. as opposed to Oktoberfest. So these are people that haven't been into your facility. Before. No, it's everybody. What about the people that everybody. have already been into your facility before? Everybody, because everybody there there's to. been it a does not matter. doesn't 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 discriminate because in the bars and breweries I have it says if you have not been able to take a tour before, you need to take a tour. The state law says that whether you have been in or not. This your first time, your thousandth time. You need so to get a tour on a before oh, you okay. get a beer. I don't. I don't see that as a problem, though. I mean, you walk into your facility and you see writing on the wall. It says, "Here's a self-guided tour." That that suffices it. But it's it not, not supposed to be as easy as me just being like, "Welcome to Zigmeister." Hand you a piece of paper, say absolutely nothing about it, and go, "What would you like to drink?" How do you I'm, know it's not supposed to be as easy as that? Does it specifically say that in the because law? Because that was said it to the Brewers Guild. By the director of the ABC, but it's not in who wrote law. the law. But it's not that, written, though, is it? No, it's not. Warren, I, I know, but I understand what you're saying. But you have to listen to what I'm saying. No, but so let me. If make, there let me is make my ever point. no, if there was ever an argument right. that I did something wrong, right. and one of the liquor one of the liquor license holders complained to the ABC, right. the ABC would come into my place and they would check and they would fine me. Right. They would fine. They you. would not say, oh. You broke this section of the law. They will say you did not do a proper tour. And then you would have a lawyer that says that you did. And then you would go to court with this. And then and my you fine would probably amount, win. And then my and fine would amount probably would be win. the same amount as I would have to pay for you my lawyer. You would probably win for that. If you said that this is what you do, you would probably but, win. Because but that would in be the very... written law, it doesn't matter what someone says. It has to be written in law. And this is this will go to my point about food. It doesn't specifically say prepared food or not prepared food. And this is the argument that's going on today with these restaurants and with these... That is the whole issue right. with all of this, is right. that there is no fucking shit written anywhere, anywhere. about what the fuck exactly. I'm allowed to do. Right. Exactly. And it's all up the in the air about what the ABC wants. Exactly. Warren. No, it's not about what the ABC yes, wants. Yes, it it's is. It's about what is written in the law. And because if it was about what the ABC wants, they would come to you already and tell you that you're violating well, your law. No, well, because the ABC the problem wants... with the law is that it doesn't clarify what the exact that requirements are. That is the are. problem, and I think we're arguing the same thing here, and I'm saying this in favor of breweries. I understand you're saying it in favor of breweries, but you have to understand no, it from the side of no a brewery. Holding, there's no holdup in, in legal aspects of this. If you went to a court of law and you were held to a jury, they could not, without reasonable doubt... Say that you're in violation. Now that's perfectly fine. Now the ABC, who is trying to help breweries, right? I now agree. Li- nah. shh, <laughs> shh. <laughs> I agree. The ABC, who is trying to help breweries, mm-hmm. is also trying to do so without pissing off the liquor licenses. Right. Now they're trying to do this because the liquor license happened to have a very big lobby group. Right. Get it. The moment that I piss off a liquor license in town, ABC comes over, finds me. 
I sue them. They sue me. We go back and forth. I win. The next day, the ABC puts forward a law that says, you cannot do this, written dead in law. So until that time, Mm -hmm. they're going to allow me to cross the line a little, come back across the line a little, and fudge things until they realize that this is working in the state. Now we can move things forward. I get it. So if I cross the line immediately and say, you didn't write this down, fuck off. And do whatever I want because you didn't I write never it. Said that. All that's going to do is push You're me back over the line. You're taking it to the, the extreme. I never said that. I just said that's it. Exa- would, <laughs> I said it wouldn't hold up in a court of law. That's what I said, Matt. Yes. Don't take it to the okay. fucking extreme. Okay. I did now, not on, say that. I said it would not hold up in a court of law. I didn't say you're going to fucking give them the finger and tell them to fuck off. I said it wouldn't hold up in a court of law. Let's put it that way. Let's make that clear. Okay. Right. I, so I did when not I say said, that, oh. we're going to say the ABC. Fuck you. Okay. Right. I did not say that. Okay. All right, so don't okay. fucking put words in my mouth, okay. in my store, and tell me to go fucking tell them the fuck off. So let's make that perfectly fucking okay. clear. You did not tell I did them not to do tell that. that. You right. did not. Thank you. Thank you. Because that pisses me off when shit is so said that I did not say. So I did not say that. Thank you. You acknowledge that, and we I move on. I acknowledge that. What I'm saying is, is that there is no written law that says that you cannot do what you're doing. There is no written law that says, shit, I don't have a self-guided tour. There's no law that says I can't have a self-guided tour. But yet you still do that. Do you not? It says you must have a tour and you have a self-guided tour. There's no law that says you must have a self-guided tour or you must have a tour that you would need to take people on. The problem is the ambiguity of the law. I don't think that, that the problem is the tour. I think the problem is that these restaurants are fearful that you're going to take their customers away from them because you're going to offer them beer. Why, why do you think a food. tour was put in there in the first place? The tour was put in there in the first place because they wanted an educational facility, because they wanted no. to give. Yes, here's the deal. Before this whole thing happened in 2013, people were going to breweries for an educational experience where it allowed the breweries to give them gratuitous offerings of four ounce increments of beer. So they can learn about the beer. So if they wanted to purchase their 12-pack or their 6-pack or their 6 or their half keg, they could do so. In 2013, when the law was relaxed, that went away. Now they have a tasting room. Now these breweries are allowed to have a tasting room. But in the same position, they're saying, okay, so we, we have this tasting room. So now you can come in here and do the same thing you were doing before. It has to be educational. That's why that tour is in place. It's not. It's exactly why the tour is in place for my store, Warren. and it's exactly why that tour is in place. The reason the tour was put in place was because it was the only way that the liquor licenses would allow anybody to come up and allow purchasing of beer up to a certain volume in breweries. Did I just not say that? Did I just not say that? Can I just finish what I'm trying to say here? I'm not saying that it was put there saying, well, people are coming in for an educational experience anyway, so let's just make it so that it's got a tour or whatever. I didn't say that. I I don't know what to talk about. I think the point Matt's (laughs) trying to make is that while the surface reason is because it's supposed to be an educational experience, to a certain extent, the requirement for a tour was put there kind of like a stumbling block for breweries with tasting rooms to kind of slow down the flow of beer through the tasting room so that restaurants and liquor stores didn't lose sales. 
Like the surface reason might be, well, it's for educational purposes, but the like ulterior the, motive, the ulterior motive, the like the, the reason beneath the reason is that we need a speed bump. We have to make it so that they can't just say, yeah, come on in and sit down and have a beer. I agree with that. And it was written in very vague words. Right. And so that, that it's not limiting us too much. But I agree with that. But at the same time, there is a Brewers Guild and we did write up what we believe to be our good practices that the ABC wants to work with because they want us to be able to move forward. But they know that if we challenge all of these new things to the extreme, we are going to get drastic pushback by the liquor licenses. I agree with that, too. So we went to... It's just all. There's just a lot of liquor licenses in New Jersey. You know, I I don't think there's a lot more casinos. There's a lot more restaurants and brew and bars than there are breweries. Casinos don't make their money through liquor sales. And they usually lot. sell liquor for pennies on a dollar because but they drunk still people have a liquor gamble license. more. I, right. I agree with this. everything that you're saying, but I'm saying that if your back was against the wall, that you would have to go to court. And you would have to fight that. Okay, but I'm not. But again, I'm not. That's not the point that I I'm trying to bring up. I know that's not the point, up. and that's not the point that I'm trying to say either. But I'm just saying that if that was the end of the case, you wouldn't just let them roll on. No, you. I wouldn't, Warren. Right. But so, in, in essence, at the end of the day, you would be able to fight that off and probably win in court. But then the ABC would come back and say, "All right, so since you won, we're going to change this law. Exactly. And we're going to make it in stone." So, and I the, get that. The issue is, is the ABC is trying to do things and make it so that although it's very vague and not written directly, so it's not limiting us in the future because they wrote this one thing and now right. it's never going to change, they want to make sure that we're not going to push the limits of something to piss off the liquor licenses to the extreme to begin with. So the Brewers Guild put up a best practices and worked with the ABC for the ABC to say, this is what we feel the law should be, mm-hmm. and this is what we feel it is. So. We're going to agree with you, and this is not a binding law. It's not a whatever. This is, we wrote the law. The law has been agreed on, and these are kind of what the limits probably should have said to make sure that the liquor licenses aren't going to be pissed at you, Mm -hmm. and this is the way you should be running them. Down the road, we can keep pushing these things a little further back as things seem to lighten up a little bit, but one of them was... Having a tour mm-hmm. is not a self-guided tour where a person can walk in, stare at a piece of paper without ever being talked to. Okay. The ABC's talking directly with the director, the way the ABC has said it was, it needs to be an interaction with a person who works at the brewery okay. as to an educational experience about your beer and showing that person that if they ever have questions, mm-hmm. you can answer them. So when someone comes up and we say, oh, hey, welcome to Zigmeister. Have you ever been here before? That question is more to go further into the talk as opposed to just sliding the card over to them because if they've been here before, they know what's going on. and be like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, we got some new beers up here. If you've been here before, oh, yeah, you know, we got some new beers. These are the next Forge batches or whatnot. Here's your, you know, self-guided tour and everything like that. But you would Feel still free to ask them. us anything. You still take them through. If you've never been here before, we do the whole, oh, welcome to Zigmeister. Here's a little sheet. Tells you all the information about our brewing process. On here, you can see the whole breakdown of what the brewery looks like. You can actually walk over there and see it yourself because we're all the tanks are open to, to viewing. Um, if you have any questions on the brewing process for any of the different types of beer that we have, they're all listed up here behind you. Please feel free to ask me or anybody else here. Right. And that's how it should be. I mean, that's, a, that's how you've been operating since the, start, since the beginning. Yes. I don't have a, 
uh, quarrel with that. So I think the point Matt was trying to make before, and maybe he got lost a little amongst the uh, the shouting and the, and the, the hot tempers, is the laws are written kind of in an ambiguous way. Every law is written in an ambiguous but, way. But it, it serves a purpose being ambiguous. If they dictated, you have to do a tour, this is what the tour consists of, there's no... There's no wiggle room in that. You're holding everyone to a stated standard, and I think that's what the ABC is trying to avoid by having the wording be as kind of vague as it is. That's the problem, then. That's what the restaurants are trying to come up with, some kind of a concrete solution. But right now the breweries are trying to make it so that we can eliminate... We, we put a bunch of things into this whole thing I get it. so we can put forward and then have the liquor licenses say, no, 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 you, that, that's ridiculous. And then we can say, okay, we'll knock this out, knock that out, we'll work with you on this, let's pass this. And our hope really is just to get out, no tours. Right. A lot, I mean, yeah, there are probably some places down in South Jersey who want to be, or maybe all over Jersey, that want to have food, make their own food or whatever. I personally don't want to. Right. I don't want to be a restaurant. I don't want to have to have that, food associated with it whatsoever. Different Absolutely. bunch of regulations yeah. to deal with. I've got well, enough I, dealing I with just the about, beer. They're t- not talking about just food. They're talking about like snacks, like potato chips, yeah. pretzels, and... But that was, I mean, that, that's just stuff put in the law. I mean, I'm myself, I, I don't care if... In the process of passing this thing, if back talks back and forth, that gets thrown out. Right. As long as this no tour thing goes through, I, I'll work with people on this thing because people can keep bringing in food all they want from all the other restaurants in town. They make food great. They can bring it in, sit down, and and enjoy it over the beers. And I'm not, I'm not saying this to be like, okay, Matt, you don't do this, or Joe, you don't do this, or Chuck, you don't do this. But I liken the tour to the license that they inquire. They they had home brewers acquire mm-hmm. for years yeah. and no one did it no one did it mm-hmm. i tried they gave me my money back they gave you your money back <laughs> so what was the purpose purpose of that there was no purpose um and not that there's no purpose to a tour because obviously i'm all about the education i love going into breweries and seeing how they do it. but they don't they don't go into detail as to what they do but they go into detail as how they make the beer and what they use um, but if you if you go goes. into a larger New Jersey brewery, right. they take that license or that requirement to the T. To the T, yeah. And you have to go through. You buy tickets to it. You yep. wait for the next tour thing. Yep. You can walk through. You can have a few right. samples. Then afterwards, you can have a beer. Right. Because their whole thing is wholesale. Yep. Their tasting no, room to them so is small pittance. So if you want to come through, right. they will never violate. Or go anywhere right. near violating so, that so because they don't want to have anything. You bring up it. an interesting point. Then is that something that we want to eliminate as far as volume is concerned? If you don't make a certain volume, then you don't have to do it. Uh, I don't know. That starts getting very complicated. Everything about law is complicated. I yeah, but I don't think a, we should be going out of our way to figure out. I don't think that we should. I don't think that we should either. But I mean, is that a volume yeah. thing that they're going to look into? Like, if I mean, you don't most make a certain because they have so. they break out the licenses that way by volume. Yeah, but they break the licenses out by volume, saying that if you're under two hundred thousand barrels, then you don't have to give a tour. Yeah, but there's no place in New Jersey anywhere near that. So then, it so, means everybody who's there, which I don't know, could that could that alleviate? The problem. I mean, I don't know. I mean, you have to look at everything that you're looking at. You See, look I, at. I understand the educational aspect of a tour, but to, in my point of view, 
a tasting room for a brewery is a place where someone will go, well, let me try that beer. And they try it. Wow, this is really good. I'm going to go pick the, a six-pack up of this. Or I have a kegerator at home. Give me a sixtal. You know, or I run a bar and I really like this and I want to take, you know, hey, listen, I want to talk to you guys about placing orders for half barrels for my bar. To me, that's like the purpose of a tasting room is to get a taste of the product that the brewery is making. Mm-hmm. Is that what's happening, though, realistically? In some places, no. Keith. Huh? You could do that with four ounces, right? That's Free, gratuitous offerings yeah. of four ounces. No, I mean, Increments. it's not necessarily what these places are getting. But at the same time, too, if you're out there getting a full liquor license for a place, you're allowed to sell wine, you're allowed to sell beer, you're allowed to sell liquor, That's you're right. allowed to sell any mixed drink of whatever. If you're opening up a brewery, you're, you're allowed to not just there. sell, you're not allowed to sell all just beer and all beer. No, right. you're just allowed to sell what. You, yeah, make. your product, yep, absolutely. That's your it. only, your your own product, and I think that's the difference. That's the game. That's the difference, right there. And the and I, the big argument right now with all the places is beer's big, right? So beer is the big seller in a lot of these mm. bars and restaurants. So therefore, they're looking at it. Well, you know, you didn't have to pay anywhere near as much as I did for this liquor license, and yet you're able to make a big chunk of right. you know what I'm selling because beer is what I'm selling, right. and you're making your own beer, which. Because you're the local place making your own beer, people are going to want to go to you anyway. So there's a lot of these bars and restaurants right now getting all up in arms and banning or saying that they will not sell local craft beer in their area. There's like nine because yeah, Yeah, there's a whole restaurant group of them, and they're getting a couple others on board saying that they're not going to sell local craft beer in their area because these local craft breweries are trying to steal from them, which is ridiculous. Because you know, that, that really is a, that that the is local ridiculous. Craft breweries are actually creating a market for the bars for expensive beer. Yeah. yeah. See, he, I've I've never <laughs> like said to my wife, "Hey, let's go out to eat. Let's go to a tasting room and, and sit down and order food." Like if we're going out for dinner, we go out to yeah. a restaurant and have dinner. That's what I mean. Maybe after the restaurant, we'll stop by a tasting yeah. room, grab yeah. a couple let's of use, pints. Let's, I know I'm a little far from the mic, but let's use Hackestown as a case in point. Mm-hmm. In this area. Three breweries were opened in the last, whatever, year and a half, two years. Two right? years. Two right? years, yep. When I came to Hackestown three years ago, it was a dead fucking shitty town, mm-hmm. right? And I, nobody would come here because it wasn't a destination for anything, right? Now you come here, and we've talked about it. It's a vibrant downtown. Hmm, coincidence? I don't know, maybe, well, but there's now uh, three interesting destinations for people to come to, and then all of a sudden there's foot traffic on the streets, and all of a sudden people are, you know, are, 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 are participating in the local economy, and we've seen it happen in the last two years. I've seen it, especially. Well, right. well I would so argue to say, smart, like, so local restaurants that will deliver are right. actually doing more but, but business that's, that's yeah. exactly because people will go to the tasting more, room. So, more so people, these local, these local restaurants don't have liquor licenses that you're talking about. But even the ones that do, a lot of these places weren't delivering. Right. And now they are delivering right. to increase Mama's their has sales. Mama's a liquor license, but they're making money off Mama's of Mama's just recently yeah. got a liquor license, but yeah. they also carry local craft beer. Right. So yeah. Mama's doesn't have a problem with that. No, but even other... Even B. McNally's doesn't have me, a problem. To me, the local, the local restaurants with, with liquor licenses in here should have no problem with it because if they're like, oh, Zugmeister and Manskirt right. and Jersey Girl are making all this money off of selling their, their beer and it's not coming to me, well, they can sell that beer too. It's short-sighted. A lot of this... Because they're, they're now able up. to do more than I right. am. They can sell my beer right. and wine and, and liquor and food. and food 
and give a whole different atmosphere <clears throat> yep. than what my and place is. And a gives. whole different right. n- new ball game. No, uh, and that's 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 exactly my point. Like they have, but by, they have but so by, many different options. But by restaurants saying from. that they're they going to cut naked out mud wrestling in their bars in their break. Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I can do that or that's not. That's the thing. So, well, so I, these, I with these breweries, right, but yeah, I'm pretty I think you sure can. you can't call do it. It's not a production brewery anymore. Naked yoga. That's good. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yoga. Naked, naked yoga wrestling. Oh, um, <laughs> no, but I think... I yoga think or yogurt? My whole, thing, <laughs> my whole thing about signing with the breweries is that breweries are focused... Yeah. Breweries are focused businesses that sell only their product that they make. The only product that they make is their beer. And regardless of whether it's a, a stout or an IPA or if it's everything, they only sell their product. Breweries, or I'm sorry, um, restaurants bars. and bars... They sell everything. Right. Cigarettes. They sell music. They sell love. Tea. They sell love. They sell food. They sell <laughs> chips. They sell everything that you can think of. They sell everything. They have a, a, a wide range well, of stuff that they can scope use. Of to products sell products available. A local brewery so can for, so, sell their product. If I'm a bar a and I'm complaining about a brewery coming products. into my town and selling its own beer, then I'm doing something wrong as a bar. That I'm not making enough money. I am not getting myself out there. If you're kicking right. a local brewery out of your out of your or not putting a local brewery on your wrong. establishment, you're doing something wrong because you're saying, "Oh, they're stealing my people. Right. They're not going to come to my place now because you're open." And now you're telling them, "I'm not going to put right. your product right. on here that people are going for." So right. you're almost you're pushing forcing them away them right. to yeah. go away from what, your. What place. I think my, my whole thing about before what I think you guys are missing is that. I don't think that the people that are going to come into a brewery or a bar are coming in for um, uh, yeah, a, a different... So the people that are going to come into your brewery are seeking something from you. They're actually seeking this product. People that go into a bar are seeking something totally different than this product. And, you know, you have a very good way of saying, okay, I have this product, and this product is always going to be here, and I'm going to be here all the time in a bar has this product over here that's not really always tangible. So you go to a bar and you have a meal that's not so good, but you go to a brewery that has a beer that's always good, and you're going to be like, I'm going to go to the brewery because I know this product is good. I think what I'm saying is people are going to seek out where they want to go for the product that is delivered to them, not because of either you're a brewery or a bar. And that's just it. And I think breweries have a have their back against the wall because these other people have so much other things to offer that breweries have nothing except for their beer and their product. And they have to, they have to be on an even playing field. And this law actually makes it an even playing field and taking away the fact that you have to do a tour is not going to do anything different. So Warren, where do you see liquor stores in this argument? You tell me. What do you think? You're working. I had no idea what these <laughs> liquor stores. Let's take that question after the break. You want to take that yeah. question after the break? Okay, right. let's take a break um, and get a beer. Cheers.
are we? All right, so we were um, we were talking about. Um, you had asked the question about what you think liquor stores are feeling about this whole situation about uh, you know bars and liquor stores not being on equal grounds as breweries. So personally, I side with the breweries because we sell their beer. Well, what else do you sell? Well, right, we don't exclusively sell their beer, but I think that not only that, but what else do you sell besides uh, beer? Well, we sell wine, and what else do you sell? We sell liquor. liquor, and we sell mixers, we sell growlers, we sell glasses. We, you know, we're we're the uh, adult candy store if you really think about it. Thank you, and case in point. But, but what? As one who works there and uh, thinks that. Restaurants are a little short-sighted for not selling a local craft beer. Um, I'm on the side of the brewery. I'm excited to get people exposed to Matt's beer, to Chuck's beer, to Joe's beer. And, uh, you know... What's exciting is that the breweries around the town, around this local area, have actually sowed some relationships with local restaurants and local breweries. And I think that is probably what was missed wherever these people are complaining. Yes. I've talked to some people out in Canada, believe it or not, and they're going through the same kind of thing, but they don't have a problem with breweries, restaurants, and bars combating one another. There's a local craft beer thing going on, and they all take place. So I think there's a little bit of, and Matt, I think you put it well when you said that you work with the local people here and that you don't try to overstep your bounds. I think um, there's a lot of that going on in the state of New Jersey, and I think this this handful of people who have a problem aren't seeing the big picture and aren't really doing much more than trying to cause problems. Not only that, I just realized that, say, Matt is not open five days a week. No. Mm-mm. But we, you know, we're open seven days a That's week. That's what I mean. There's a there's So when his there. bar when his bar when his brewery is closed, mm-hmm. you can walk into our store or any store that likes to mm-hmm. support local breweries and ask, Hey, do you have Zigmeister's Prospector Amber? We say, Yes, we do. He, you know, it's in it's in the refrigerator. Have at it. It's <clears> also <throat> on a day where I am open, even though I'm selling cans out of the brewery. People might be driving by. They want to grab a bottle of whiskey and a six-pack. Right. Like, and oh, Sigmeister's beer. And they buy from our store. Right. You know, liquor stores are usually a little more accessible than most bar, uh, most breweries. Right, I know. Um, I know it allows me to expand my footprint out there by selling to other places as well. And it just it makes sense to work with the other places as opposed to fighting them to And, and it's definitely an expanded clientele when, when John's at the register. It's not just checking IDs, too. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Go guest? scratch, Carl. <laughs> so, how many places are you in New Jersey, there, Matt? Um, I think we have about 150 or 170 places that we sell to, but probably somewhere between 80 and 100 of them take. And that's uh, bars and restaurants take regularly, and then liquor stores probably 70 or 80 that we have and maybe 50 of them take regularly. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank Those you. are good odds. Those are good odds. Thank yeah, you. I think you're doing well. 
the can the canning side of stuff has been working really well because a lot of the places that we've been getting are bigger stores. We got all every Bottle King, um, and now we we just recently signed with all the Wegmans. Awesome. So. Oh, I've gotten cool. some people down right liquors oh, down in South Jersey. In Jersey. There's nine of them in New Jersey. Yeah, we've gotten some people down in South Jersey coming up here and going. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of talk about the Hackerstown beer scene and. Mm. Which is exciting, and I think a lot has to do with the distribution of both you, well, you for mainly, and, and, and some of what uh, Jersey Girl's doing um, with, their, with their Applebee's and stuff. So, Hackestown is the destination location of New Jersey. Didn't yeah. you say you guys wanted to make uh, <clears throat> Hackestown the beer mecca of the East Coast the at mecca, some point? The mecca of New Jersey. I think that's you, the, you're getting That's there. the end game, I think, <laughs> is to make this definitely... The, the beer mecca of the area. Blackstone in the I'd settle with turning town. Hackettstown into <laughs> Morristown first. <laughs> yeah, me too. Getting more traffic done. I don't know if you've been to Morristown on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday mm-hmm. night. It's happening. There's so many people walking up and down Main Street. And, you know, we're getting there. I see a lot of people. They got up a lot of different things going on. Especially, they got the. Especially when the weather's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, between movies and, and shows and stuff like that, that, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to. They're walking up and down, going to restaurants. You yeah. know, you got so much going on. But a lot of what Morristown has is stuff that we have. It's just not I mean, done. Right, we got a hospital. We got a hospital. We got M M&M, and M. We got a train station. We got a university. You know, I mean, we got a nice downtown area. It's just all got to work together. I yeah. lived in Morris County thirty years ago, and there were a lot more people in Morris County then than there are in this county now, uh, and it's only grown. So, I mean, it's a it's a it's a fairly bigger client um, pool of population. population. Yeah, population yeah. pool that you're pulling from in Morristown. But as far as when you consider the the population of this county, you're doing very well. Yeah. No, we're doing good. I think. I think. Uh, to be talked about in other counties, yeah. to be like yeah. the destination location is pretty exciting. It's like a name drop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. And you know what? Keep listening, listeners. Thank you for listening. Um, All 12 of you. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot more. We get... We're I get, 15 now. Yeah. We're at like, <laughs> we're like 17. No, 17? We're getting a lot more. I'm getting, I'm getting a lot more people in here asking me about specifics about shows that we've done. Um, and a lot of information that comes from Zigmeister Brewing Company. Do they ask about guests? They never ask about guests. <laughs> no, God, oh, I kid you not. Two weeks they, ago, they never say, "Hey, are you having guests on?" I say, "No." No, they never do that. I never answer that question because I don't have to. I think I came across my first groupie two weeks ago. Someone walked into the store. What was his Dude, name? Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. <laughs> they walk into the store. Remember the name man. of your to own wear, fan? Your wear, only fan? I think right now if he hears this, that know, fan to just, wear, to wear he a just wiped shirt. a little tear now, away from his now, eye and now, moved now on. I have, now I have no fan. <laughs> well, to wear to wear a lavender shirt and a, and a safari hat into the show, I mean, come on, man. How could you not have a fan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what are we drinking, boys? Oh, yes. Well, yeah, we're drinking something here. I don't know, but every time I watch the news every morning, NBC, I see... Hackettstown listed on the weather. That's because we have breweries in Hackettstown. That's it. It's all about the weather over the breweries. That right there, folks, is the infamous Harry. (laughs) Ah, So moving on. uh, In keeping with the New Jersey theme, we're doing uh, River Horse Triple Horse, Belgian-style ale brewed with spices. This is a big guy here. We're looking at a 10% ABV. little... What did, what did you say, Keith? Uh, bazooka gel yeah, in a t- glass? Yeah, it tastes like bazooka gum with clove mixed in with it. 
Is that uh, maybe those are the spices, you know? Bazooka Joe. Maybe they, and- yeah, maybe, they, maybe they went back in time like 25 years and bought up a candy store's worth of Bazooka so, Joe. So this is an adjunct beer. You're saying Bazooka Joe. It's actually just fermented Bazooka, bazooka Joe. <laughs> fermented Bazooka Joe. <laughs> Look, you have a profile right uh, Thank you, our AV team, Carl. Hops, Chinook, Hellertau, and Sots. Uh, malt, Pilsen, White, Wheat, and Caramel. Or take mm-hmm. on the Belgian style triple ale, brewed with spices and fermented with what's, a Trappist yeast strain. What spices? They're um, probably not going to clarify that. Uh, old Bay. No, I'm just old kidding. Old Bay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, There'd be some vanilla projectile vomiting. A variety of complex flavors. <laughs> crabs. <laughs> fermented with real crabs. Long balls. <laughs> I mean, Trappist yeast pulls out that bubblegummy flavor mm-hmm. if you do it at certain temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, Colder or hotter? Hotter. Hotter for bubblegum, colder for clove. Mm-hmm. Colder for clove. See, clove I could deal with. The bubblegum's a like, deal-breaker for me. I'm not a bubblegum the, the guy. Big, the big thing is how the bubblegum comes through. With this, because it's a sweeter finish on the beer with the bubblegum, it accentuates the bubblegum right. flavor. It's a drier finish. You get a little bit of that bubblegum flavor, which just reminds you of a Belgian yeast. Right. Mm. So you're saying this is a less attenuated it's beer. Funny. Yeah. It's funny. I, I see um, I've had people <clears> in here <throat> wanting to do um, River Horse triples. Hmm. And there were women. A lot of them were women. That's that. Uh, they, the, yeah. the sweeter beers overall Wire just tend to sell yep. just in general. General, yeah. People want a sweeter, fruitier yep. style beer. I, I think that's why New Eng- the New England styles that we were talking about. You don't that, have that, that juicier that, profile. There's less bitterness that, to it. There's that hard there's no dry finish. Well, it's right. a su- slightly sweeter beer. You're getting uh, that fruit. Um, Hop profile that comes through all the all the different hop flavors. It's just doesn't this be black coffee versus one with just a little bit of sugar in it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Sweet. A little bit of sweet can make a lot of things mm-hmm. quite tasty. But light, isn't that light all, and sweet? Doesn't that also have to do with coffee when like we're young, survival? right? Like when we when we taste bitter, bitter is like a danger sign. Yeah, and sweeter is like more palatable, right? And I think that has something to do with it. So the people that love—that's why those... we binge on Skittles, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's why we feed like our the cows. West Coast IPAs, Skittles. They want hoppy and they want dry. That's sort of the anomaly. Mm. Rob mesmerized by uh, the by the rocket on the TV. by the rocket on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So re- regardless of your position, I don't give a shit what you think. Um, I just hope you support your local brewery. Uh, in in this endeavor, um, no, he's talking to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. As for you, John, all that love. As for you, guests, the only one that'll be listening to the show after the no, show. No, no, uh, that's not true. Not true at all. Uh, well, you know, I'll put this on my. Uh, I'll put a link to this onto my uh, blog. I think, I think mm-hmm. it's worth fighting for. I think having uh, our local breweries sur- survive and succeed is worth fighting for. Um, as you can tell, probably from this podcast, I'm very passionate. Matt is very passionate in what we believe in, and um, well, we just want to see success. I mean, I'm not I'm not a big believer in any business trying to like raise themselves by pushing another one no. down. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's like the complete I don't want opposite of, of what anything. I don't want to support yeah, a brewery to the detriment of another local, another local small business. I, I mean, agree. I think it just needs to be in the end small business working with small business to grow a community. Absolutely. Here, here, man. Cheers and to that, it, brother. Cheers. Cheers. And it, it just can't. 
<laughs> party time. I mean, that was done oh, on purpose. Oh, the whole episode because <laughs> of Keith. Oh, no. Fucking no. hey, no. dude. <laughs> we'll do a reshoot Again, it's, 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 it's my fault for inviting him, uh, so I'm sorry for you folks. At least it wasn't guest. Well, you're, you're on a short lease there, buddy. <laughs> but I'm definitely going to agree. Support, you know, your local brewery and everything like that, but definitely yep. I think things need to work together more with a lot small... Local breweries working with other small businesses and other small businesses working with other local breweries to make the Speaking of that, we have a big event coming up uh, September 29th, 30th, and 1st. Oh, what would that be? <laughs> Something like Oktoberfest. Oh, that thing. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> we have a three-day Oktoberfest this year. Saturday's the big one, but we will be doing stuff Friday and Sunday. What's going on on Friday night? Um... Well, over at the brewery on Friday night, we're going to be doing a cask tapping uh, and one event that we haven't really decided on yet. Um, and then Saturday is going to be the big one. Uh, that's going to have the full barrel. We're going to fill with Octo or have full with Oktoberfest. We're going to tap that. We're having events there too. Like a bunch the of events. Wiener Dog yep. Race, uh, authentic <laughs> German bands. We got multiple plots. Uh, in town, we got Zigmeister plots, Manskirt plots, we got a kid plots, Kinder plots, and uh, <coughs> B. McNally's is going to have a plots. And I That's think fantastic I, conspiracy. I, I want to say um, Marley's is going to have a plots, but they haven't fully announced theirs yet. I, I don't think that they're going to have an outside okay. venue, but I think they're going to have like things going on things at going their on location. Inside. Yep, absolutely. Um, so we're going to have a lot of events going on at each one of the plots. We're going to have music at the plots. Um, uh, Wiener Dog Race over at the brewery. That's gonna um, be we're not going to have, I don't think at the brewery we're going to have too many specialty beers. It's just Oktoberfest is the main style, and it's just going to be a big celebration. That's, it's I mean, that's how it time. should be. It was last year, that barrel aged Oktoberfest you guys had, or whatever it was mm-hmm. that you guys tapped with the mayor last year, that yeah. was fascinating. That was really cool. That was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. We pressed those apples, and that's what really yeah. brought on the Abacadaba. Yeah, Abacab, yeah. Abacab. Yeah. Are you but, a Genesis fan? Um, I am a Sega Genesis fan. That's not <laughs> the same thing. It is because Abacab was Found the, the young guy in the room. Mortal Kombat <laughs> in Sega Genesis. Get over here, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> uh, you just pulled the fucking mic there, John. Come on, watch your feet. Jesus oh, Christ, John. It can't take you anywhere. Oh, good. And your purple okay, shirt. <laughs> Never again. So, whoops, my heart stopped. Uh, there it goes. Oh, there goes the space pickle. Okay. <laughs> we still okay? We're so, we have on. a lot of Oktoberfest activities going on. I think NJ Hobbs is going to help out with events going on. Yep. I'm going to put talking. on a brewing demonstration. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a, a live brewing demonstration outside, possibly at Zigmeister's. Mm-hmm. I got to talk to you about that. Yeah, we, we could definitely do. set up a spot out there. Um, and then uh, bands playing in two plots and just a lot of camaraderie and. Beer wenches? Festival. So here's the thing. It's Oktoberfest, people. Dress the part. Have fun with it. We yep. Tina will. <laughs> Durndells. The Lederhosen. And Lederhosen. I look terrible in a Durndell. I think you look sexy. <laughs> I dare you to rock it. <laughs> you rock it, dude. <laughs> you are curvaceous to the hilt. <laughs> you mean to the hip. No. I don't mean any of that. I don't mean any of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lie. Was, I've been lying to my lying. team. Lies and calumny. <laughs> but with that said, uh, I think we've kind of hit our point. 
Um, anybody else want to put in their chime? Well, it is interesting. I just looked. Uh, so in the month of September, on September 27th, 2015, so a little less than two years ago, was the very first Cool Ship podcast. So we're <laughs> coming up on two years. Nice. Hooray! So this is our... Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, 24 damn. months? How many 24, episodes? Yeah, 24 months. Uh, this will be full episode number 19. Uh, is that including with, uh, with bonus odes? Bonus odes and extra odes. Bonus odes. Extra odes. Bonus No. Not after this 10% triple. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy the banter. <laughs> I know that. You know. Again, you got to say this stuff in your head before you say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> Cover it up with that damn hat of yours. <laughs> hey, you wore my hat. <laughs> The little blue pill solves everything, John. Why didn't I take the blue pill? I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to end this. Yeah. <laughs> Please do. Cut. And on that note. <laughs> and on that note, till next time. Say goodnight, boys. Good night. Good night, boys. Thanks again, folks. Good So don't fucking poke your dick in my mouth, in my store, and tell me it tastes like chicken. So let's make that perfectly fucking clear. Okay. All right. So don't fucking poke smoked malt in my mouth, in my store, and tell me about your grandkids. So let's make that perfectly fucking clear. 
All right, so don't fucking put a microphone in my mouth, in my store, and tell me how I sound like a dying moose when I breathe. So let's make that perfectly fucking clear. All right, so don't fucking put long balls in my mouth, in my store, and tell me about sack rejuvenation therapy. So let's make that perfectly fucking clear. All right, so don't fucking put big plums in my mouth, in my store, and tell me how you're going to make sweet, painful love to me while my son watches like his father and grandfather before him. So let's make that perfectly fucking clear.